Good after morning. I know I'm the guy. I got to wrap up the conversation. Got to quench the love. Just let it settle here. You guys are you get you're good friends. I get it. That's good. That's what we're supposed to be. Fellowship. There's got to be some fellowing. Okay. Um, if uh, you are here, that's a good sign. If you're not, if you're in the foyer, come on in. The bathroom. Oh, I just embarrassed somebody. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Pastor Rebels Bible Church. My name is Dylan Asher Jacobsma. I'm just somebody who volunteers here, but I'm glad to be here, and I love this church, and I'm glad you all are here this morning. As part of that, we are trying to extend our church community time, our church fellowship, and so you may be familiar we're doing a monthly event, formerly known as Same Time Next Month. I say formally because I've become aware that it has caused some confusion. When I announce, like, hey, it's Same Time Next Month today, it's like, what? Or I've announced it for that day, and people are like, they thought I was announcing for the following month. And so we're going to go really meta. We're going to become self-aware. This is now called our monthly, get this, church event. Okay? All right, can I get a round of applause for our church event? Okay. We brainstormed that. We had teams and teams. Trust me, that's what we landed on. So this month's church event, if you are familiar, you can check in the bulletin. I'm not sure if all the details are in there. We're calling it a walk and talk. I say walk and talk because it's not quite a hike, but we are walking and hopefully talking. We're going to meet at the park playground that's behind Walmart. It's called the Lawrence Moore Park, if you all are familiar with there. that. So for people who aren't wanting to hike or, not, or walk along the river, the river path there along uh, South River Road, totally just hang out at the park. Kids, there's a little playground there, there's a field, kickball, anything like that. So if you want to come and enjoy fellowship, but you don't want to walk, still, please do come. There's a nice place to just hang out for the afternoon. For others who do want to walk and talk, it's time to get to know each other, not face-to-face, but shoulder-to-shoulder. We're going to walk. There's The path just picks up right there at the park, and it goes along past Walmart under the Niblick Bridge. And we'll just walk for a little while. We don't need to go crazy. It's, the goal isn't to like get to a destination. We're not trying to get our three miles in today. The goal is to get to know each other. Um, So that is the plan there. We're going to meet at 12 o'clock again at Lawrence Moore Park. And that is the park slash playground that is in the neighborhood behind Walmart. All good? Okay, what's the name of our new monthly church event? Church event. All right, you guys passed. We'll see you there. Truth. Lord protect us.
Are we on? Okay. So, can we have a word without the Spirit? The short answer is nope. No, you guys. Okay, I'm glad we're reviewing this. Can we have the word without the Spirit? No way. In fact, emphatically, it's no. We cannot have the word without the Spirit. Why? We spent a bunch of time talking about this. Why is that? Because the Spirit wrote the word. Okay, so every time that uh, we open the word, every time somebody teaches it, every time we study it, every time we read it, the Spirit is there speaking to us. And I'm a firm, strong believer that the one who wrote the book is the one who preserves the book. And so can we have the word without the Spirit? No, we can't. Okay, so um, that's the short answer. The longer, more complex answer is, can we have the word without the Spirit? Complex answer is, well, still no, but it's practically yes. And this is probably what you guys were thinking when you answered it a minute ago. And can we have it? It's practically yes. And why do I say that? It's because um, a lot of people live like we can have the word without the Spirit. A lot of people um, just read the Bible and then, um, and then just kind of go on their way. No effect is happening in their lives. I, I think about this. I don't think I said this last week, um, but I was thinking about this illustration. Have you ever been like driving down the highway or something and there'll be a sign on the side of the road with like a Bible verse on it? Have you ever seen that? Maybe like John 3.16 or something. And, um, and so you're driving and people drive by and they read that, right? Or like Jesus saves or something like that. And you're like, well, if... If it's possible that every time that the Word of God is, is spoken and, this, and the Spirit's there, like why isn't every 100% of people that read that sign being saved? Right? Have you ever thought about that question? If, the, if we can always have the Word and, this, and with no effect, right? Every time somebody reads that Bible verse, everybody should be saved 100%. But obviously it's not happening because sometimes practically we can read the Word of God and no effect can happen. No change can happen. So that's kind of the longer, more complex answer. Um, so today, we're going to kind of ask a related question, and we're just going to switch the wording around a little bit. Can we have the Spirit without the Word? Okay, last week, not just to review, we said, can we have the Word without the Spirit? Today, we're going to say, can we have the Spirit without the word um, the holy spirit as i already mentioned a minute ago um, not only has inspired his word we talked about last week not only has he helped interpret it illuminate it for us like teach us what it means not only is it inerrant meaning with its hundred percent without error all those things are true um, and so today we're going to say, with all those things in mind, can we have the Spirit without the Word? Okay, so to begin answering this question, um, we're going to take a look um, in the Scriptures and how the Word of God um, establishes in many, many, many places that the Word is equivalent with truth. Okay, we were actually talking a little bit about this last week, and we're going to kind of pick up on that theme because... There's more to be said that in many, many places, the Bible itself testifies that it itself is truth. Okay, and I looked up, and I can't even count them. There's, 
There's dozens and dozens of references to this throughout the scriptures. And I have these. I did not put them in your notes. It would have taken too much room. But um, I have a list here if you want just to start or just do your own study. Just get, a, just get your phone out and search truth and just look up all of the scriptures that, that um, talk about this. Um, so I'm just going to look at a few of them with you today. And if, you, and if it piques your interest and if you want more, definitely dig into that on your own. There's a guy who, um, who wrote, who was born late 1800s. And mainly his ministry was in the 20th century, the 1900s. And um, his name was A.W. Tozer. If anybody ever heard of him? He had a great book, and the book is called God's Pursuit of Man. And uh, in that book, I wanted to read a quote because it's, it's really good. He says, It is never possible to have the Spirit without at least some measure of truth. He said, It is never possible to have the Spirit without at least some measure of truth. And, um, and so, like again, last week we were talking a little bit about this, that um, when, you look, when we look at the Word of God, this is not always true, but it is sometimes true that the Scripture itself refers to itself as the truth. Okay, so um, there's, a, there's a sense in which the Word of God is equivalent with truth. So let me give us a couple of examples of this in the Word. Uh, in Psalm 25, verse 5, David wrote the psalm, and he's praying to the Lord, to Yahweh, and he says, lead me in your truth and teach me. Whose truth is it? God's truth. God's truth, right? Um, Jesus famously said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. In John 16, verse 13, again, Jesus said this, but again, not about Himself. He said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Um, this is because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit of Truth says, proceeds from the Father. One more. Um, John 17, 17. says, sanctify us in the truth. God's Word is truth. So there's a sense, there's an essence, right? That, that the Word of God is equivalent with truth. Okay, that's what I'm just trying to establish uh, in our hearts right now before we move on. The truth about God, the truth of God, the truth from God, they work seamlessly together to bring about a transformative change in our lives. I want you to think about this for a minute. What if God was an untruthful God? And, and I would say that there's Millions of people in the world that would that believe that that God is for some way He's an untruthful God. But but let's just as Christians here, let's just think about this for a minute. What if God was untruthful? What if God lied? What if God was possible of lying? Um, here's the question: Could we believe anything 
he says. Could we, could we stand confident in his faithfulness? Um, I want to I turn our hearts a little bit here. Um, God did not say, I will turn myself into a God of truth. Okay, God did not say, I will be truthful. He didn't like ever make that declaration. I'm going to be truthful. You can trust me, I'm going to be truthful. God also never said, I will always tell you the truth. Why are none of those statements accurate? Because God emphatically says, what? I am truth. Okay? I am truth. Meaning that God is encompassed with the truth. He's full of, He Himself is the truth. Therefore, He cannot be what? Anything less than the truth. We have to get that through our head, down into our hearts, because God is a God of integrity and honesty and faithfulness. He always keeps His word. So therefore, when we become saved in the New Covenant era, New Covenant meaning after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, we become saved in this period of our lives. Um, our lives begin in the Spirit. Because when we begin in the Spirit, we begin in truth. So maybe uh, the question isn't so much, can we have the Spirit without the Word? Because I think that's pretty obviously, you know, the answer to that is no way. Again, we, we have to have both. Um, I think the better question maybe for us today to ask moving forward is can we have the Holy Spirit but yet lack in the truth of the Word? I mean, I think that's maybe a better way to say it. We, can we have the Spirit without the Word? No, but can we have the Spirit and lack in the truth of the Word? Yeah, I think yes. And um, in fact... Not only do I think it's possible, I think we see it several times in Scripture. Again, there's many, many times. I just want to give us a few, and then we're going to move into, uh, into the rest of our time today. So here's just a couple of examples. Um, there was a time in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, where King Saul, um, Saul has been made king of Israel, right, by Samuel the prophet, and uh, he's established himself as king. And uh, there was a time where, it actually, Scripture actually says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Saul, and he began to prophesy. He began to speak prophecy. And to the point where, I think it actually says, he, he like stripped himself down, he was naked before the Lord, and he began to prophesy. And to the point where people were going, is Saul also among the prophets? They began to gossip and whisper, is Saul a prophet? Um, I don't know if you're aware of the context. This was right in the same period of time where Saul was daily trying to kill David because he hated him. He thought David wanted to, you know, he was jealous of him. He, he thought he wanted to take his throne. And so Saul was actually trying to kill David. All, and then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and started to prophesy. So can we have the Spirit of God and yet lack in the truth of the Word? Well, there's one example Okay, how about Samson? You remember Samson? 
Um, Samson was a liar and a deceiver and a cheat and a thief and a womanizer and an all-around shady kind of a guy. And yet, the Spirit of the Lord several times, it says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on Samson. Um, in the book of Judges, there's a bunch of times. Um, so, can we have the Spirit of the Lord on us and, and lack in the truth or lack in, our, in walking with the Lord even? And the answer seems to be yes, although I, I don't understand. And then you're like, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Those are Old Testament examples, right? I mean, those are Old Covenant. Like, we don't belong to Old Covenant anymore. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough, that's true. So let's spend a, time, a little bit of time in the New Testament and see if this is also true in this period of time. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to take a little bit of a, a case study on the book of Galatians. I know that a, a little over a year we went through the whole book together. <clears throat> um, so let's, let's, let's look at the Galatians. We're going to look at a bunch of passages, a bunch of verses from the book of Galatians this morning to kind of see if we can have the Spirit and then yet lack in the truth of the Word. Okay, so right from the beginning, uh, Galatians chapter 1 uh, Paul is writing to this, um, the end of verse 2. Who is he writing to? The church, churches of Galatia, okay? Um, so when you hear the word churches of Galatia, what, are, what is our first assumption about the Galatians? Are they unsaved or are they saved? Saved, okay? So they belong to the church. We're just going to go ahead and assume <clears throat> that these were um, believers, and um, we're not just actually going to assume that. We're going to prove it a little bit in just a few minutes. But let's just take it on faith for just a few minutes that Paul is writing to believers, okay, people that are saved. Paul had established this church in Galatia. The letter was written to the church of Galatia. And I would say there's no doubt these people are saved. And in the New Covenant, if they are saved, then they also have what living inside of them? The Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're talking about spirit uh, filled believers here. Okay, it's important to keep that in mind. However, here's the issue. Um, the Galatians had, we're going to take a look in a second, they had wandered away from the truth. They had wandered from the truth. Um, they didn't abandon the truth completely. Okay, they had just wandered from it. Um, but even in this like wayward condition, they find themselves in, they still had a measure of truth. And Paul, having, the one, having been the one who had established these churches, he was the apostle of these churches in Galatia, uh, several churches, and um, he was concerned about what was happening to, the, to his people, his converts. And so with urgency... He responds by writing this letter to that church. Okay, pick it up in verse 6, Galatians 1, 6. It says, I am amazed. that." So this is like first, first bit of the message, right? He's just like introduction, and then this is the first thing he just jumps right in. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is an any other gospel or another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you 
and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, it's worth noting here that Paul doesn't question their conversion, does he? He's not, he's not calling them out and saying, you're not saved anymore. You didn't, like, lose your salvation. Um, Paul's writing to sort them out to, um, so they won't become further uh, disillusioned is a, is a good word. Okay, so what was going on here? We're not going <clears> to, <throat> we can't read all, everything, but let me just summarize what was going on here. Um, some Judaizers had moved into the area. And Judaizers were Jewish people who basically said um, <clears throat> they were accepting of the Gentiles, which was, you know, important. But, but they said, okay, as Jews, uh, Gentiles, we will allow you to be, be saved, if you want to say it like that. We'll allow you into uh, the kingdom. Uh, but, but you have to do a few things. You can't just come in and just, and just whatever, accept it by God's grace or something like that. No, you have to come in and you have to actually turn away from your Gentile ways and become Jews and begin to follow the law of Moses. If you really want to be saved, that's, that's the way. That's how you're going to get in to the family. And so these Judaizers had moved in and they were literally deceiving the, the Galatians who were, of course, Gentiles. They were trying to persuade um, Paul's Gentile converts to embrace the entire Mosaic law, the law of Moses, so that they could be truly saved. Now, these Judaizers appeared to succeed to, um, to a considerable extent in, with these churches in Galatia. Now, although converted... Uh, through Paul, um, and therefore filled with the Holy Spirit, the Galatians turned against both Paul and the Spirit. Look over at chapter 4, verse 16. So then, as Paul says, so then have I become your enemy because I told you the truth. So there seems to be this, like the Galatians had turned on Paul. And, and what, what was the reason why that they turned on him? Um, well, Paul was, um, was basically trying to wake them up and bring them back to the truth of the gospel. Uh, and so there's strong, strong evidence here that, um, that they're converted and had the Spirit. Go, go back a chapter, chapter 3, verse 3. He says, Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, you are now finishing by the flesh? <laughs> So they began how? In the Spirit. Okay, so they began in the Spirit, which sounds good. And it says, now are they trying to finish in the flesh? The word flesh there actually is a synonym with another word. It means that we, that's very easily means the law. So I'll, I'll read it again. Have you begun by your salvation by the Holy Spirit, but now you're trying to end it by obeying the law? Paul's saying... Um, they misunderstood the, um, the law's place in God's purposes. And Paul's not saying throw out the law. He's not saying let's get rid of it. On the contrary, it's very important um, in, actually in, in establishing the gospel message of Paul in many of his letters. The law is very important. Don't throw it away. Um, but here's a reminder 
that um, the gospel, you got it all mixed up, the gospel was not first preached to Moses. Paul says, look at verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8. Let's find out. It says, Now the scripture saw in advance that God would testify, or excuse me, would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to whom? Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. So the gospel was not first preached to Moses. The gospel was first preached to Abraham. And in so that so if, if they're under any covenant. They're not under the covenant of Moses. They're under the covenant of Abraham, which is a covenant of grace and a covenant of um, forgiveness and faith. It says, uh, he goes on to say later on in that chapter in verse 17, he says, my point is this, summarize, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. What's the promise that came 430 years before the law of Moses? The promise to Abraham. The promise that everyone will be saved by faith. What's the famous verse regarding Abraham? The just shall live by faith. And so Paul's saying to the Galatians, look, you began by the Holy Spirit because you're in the covenant of Abraham, the covenant of faith, the covenant of righteousness, the covenant of grace. Don't step out of that, step away from that, and now try to justify yourself on your own by returning back to the law. That's what Paul is trying to establish here. The the Judaizers, excuse me, the Judaizers told these Christians in Galatia, excuse me, that um, Paul had let them down, in essence, by not explaining the full gospel to them. And what was the full gospel that Judaizers brought? I already mentioned. Um, It's not good enough just to be saved by grace. You need to be saved by grace plus the law of Moses by obeying that law. So Paul really in this whole letter, his point is he's stepping in to uh, correct this false theology. He wanted to remind them that Jesus' death on the cross had fulfilled the law. And because they believed um, this sort of false teaching that the Judaizers were bringing, um, they had wandered away from the truth. They didn't lose their truth altogether. They didn't lose their salvation but they had wandered away from the truth. One more verse here. Turn to chapter 5, verse 4. It says, You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. And people are like, "Uh uh-oh, does that mean they lost their salvation? No. I don't think it means salvation. Look at verse 5. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, meaning the law, or uncircumcision, accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. So there's this sense in which that the Galatians were trying to justify themselves through the law, um, and they had fallen away from the grace. They had fallen away from 
the truth. They had wandered away from it. And I think the Galatians are example to us in our lives and in, in uh, even today how saved people can have the Holy Spirit but not necessarily possess a high level of truth. So although we're saved, people can be truly saved, truly possessed and filled with the Holy Spirit, um, they become vulnerable to false teaching, vulnerable to heresy. Because in that situation, the people, those people are not upholding the truth that saved them. And, um, you know, look, I don't want to just throw the Galatians to the, to the fire here. I just don't want to, like, say they were, they were so misguided and misled and horrible um, without taking a look at our own lives as well. Because I think this happens to us all the time where false teachings or, or, or heresies or different things kind of seep into our lives, and, um, and we kind of begin to grab on to some of them, we kind of begin to take some of them into our lives, and we kind of begin to some, a little bit kind of live our lives according to the culture in which we live. And through doing that, we begin to wander away from the truth a little bit. And even though we have the Holy Spirit, even though we have the Word of God, isn't it? Do you, do you find that in your life where it's easy to stray a little bit, go down a path that God never wanted us to go down? So the Galatians, like many churches and Christians today, um, had the Spirit, but they only had a measure of truth. And um, look, there's no way to, no reason to believe that they had um, abandoned the essentials of the faith, you know, like the deity of Jesus, the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. Uh, but it's it's pretty clear that they had entertained and believed and accepted false teaching and had brought that into their fellowship, which is a really dangerous thing. And why did they do this? Why were they so susceptible to this false teaching when it arose and came at them? Why was that? Because they had not grounded themselves in the truth. So can we have the Spirit without the Word? No. But can we have the Spirit but lack in the truth of the Word? Yes. That's right. Yeah. But wouldn't it be best if we had both of those in equal measure working like 100% in our lives to keep us close to God? <clears throat> um, and that's really the whole point of this series. I said a few weeks ago that we were laying some foundations and we're some building blocks that we're going to we're going to build on in the weeks ahead. And today was sort of like that last layer of foundation that I wanted to lay. <clears throat> um, because next week we're going to begin to kind of look at a little bit more in-depth 
about what does it mean to have fully have the Word of God and fully have the Spirit of God both in equal measure working in our lives. Because that's really what, where I think we all want to go to. I think that's where we want to be. Um, last week, we, I, I closed with looking at some of the ways the Holy Spirit brought us the Word. If you remember that, we looked at just kind of three quick ways that the Holy Spirit brought us the Word. Um, today, we're going to close with looking at some ways in which the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. Okay, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. And um, because the Spirit dwells within us, there should be a whole bunch of things in our lives that should be true of us. Okay, I say should be because not all of these that we're going to talk about, I have nine of them here, nine of about 300, right? I mean, just there's so many, I made up that number, but there's so many uh, things that are true about us because we have the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to look at nine of them real quick. Um, not going to go into depth because some of these we're going to go into depth in weeks to come. Okay, But because the Spirit dwells in us, these things should be true. And I say should be because they're not always, unfortunately, true within us. But every time um, we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, I don't know where your brain goes, but um, I've, I've encountered people where sometimes you talk about the Spirit and people kind of get like a turtle, right? They kind of close up like, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit because like it's going to lead to some Pentecost, I don't want to be a Pentecostal, right? And there's that kind of, so there's some people like that, right? They just kind of close up. I don't hear, and then there's some people, you know, they hear talk about the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, bring it on, like, I want to go full Pentecostal, that's all I ever want to be, Pentecostal, 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 and that's what we're talking about this, right? We're talking about because we need both truth and spirit, and, and listen, um, the Holy Spirit, right, brings so many things in our lives that everyone believes as Christians, and, and, and like, that's why I just, these labels that we throw on ourselves are just ridiculous, I just, let's get rid of them right, Pentecostal, conservative, right, all these things, let's just get rid of them, and let's just get to the scripture, and figure out what God said, and what he wants, how he wants us to live, okay, so here's nine, nine, (laughs) Um, nine things that should be part of our lives, because we have the Holy Spirit, here's the first one, the Spirit helps us speak truth with boldness, um, turn to, well, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'm going to read uh, some verses here. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. And it says this, uh, So when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you at that time, for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Spirit um, will speak will speak truth to us with boldness when the time comes. Okay, so if we ever find ourselves in a sticky situation, you know, maybe we're trying to witness to somebody, maybe we're trying to share our faith with somebody, maybe we're just trying to, uh, or maybe we're at work and there's a conversation to be had, and you're like, oh, I'm so timid, I don't know, like, how, how can I share the gospel because I just can't remember the, the gospel, I just don't know it. Let's trust in the Holy Spirit, that's one of his roles. He will bring His Word into your heart. So how can the Spirit and the Word go together? Here's one. 
Right? His Spirit is going to bring the truth of the Word into our minds and our hearts at that exact moment in which we need us, and it's going to give us boldness. Okay, here's the second one. The Spirit teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. So this is pretty related um, to what we said, but here's a couple things. In John 16, 7, it says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. In 1 Corinthians 2, Verses 9 and 10, he says he is our advisor. In Acts 9, verse 31, he says he is our encourager. Um, the Holy Spirit also guides us in the way in which we should go. So the Spirit teaches us and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. Here's the third. If, if we have the Holy Spirit, this should be true of us. From the Spirit... We receive power to be God's witnesses. You know the verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that the, uh, the apostles were told, go out and make um, disciples of all nations. You know that verse? Um, we will receive power to be God's witnesses. Um, it's the Spirit who draws people to the Gospel. And that, that's really... Um, good for us, it kind of lets us off the hook, doesn't it? Right, Bill? It, like when we want to go out and share our faith with somebody, we always kind of put, put this pressure on ourselves, I think. Like, I got to say the words. Gotta, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? You know, like what if like, I just don't know all the answers they're going to think? I, you know, like I don't want to let God down because I don't have all the answers. Well, let's just let ourselves off the hook a little bit. Um, because we have the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who's going to draw people to the gospel. So if we're out and we're sharing the gospel with somebody, even if we don't have all the right answers, even if we don't have all the right Bible verses, if God has tended that soil in somebody's heart, and he's, and he's, and he's sowed the seeds in that heart, and they're ready to give their lives to Jesus, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of the Spirit's work in their lives. Romans chapter 8 uh, verse 26 it says, In the same way the Spirit also, keep, uh, also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit in Himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. The Holy Spirit initially draws people to God, and He also, throughout the rest of our spiritual lives, draws us closer to Jesus. Okay, here's the fourth one. By the power of the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. This is important. By the power of the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from the sins we cannot get rid of on our own. Have you ever walk, walked in a sin and you're like, man, I pray about this and, I, and I've gotten accountability, and, I've, and I'm in the Word, and I know the truth, and I've confessed it, and I've tried to turn away from it, and yet it still keeps coming back into your life over and over and over again. Has anybody ever experienced that besides me in this room? Um, and, you're, and, you, and we kind of get mad at ourselves, like, why does this thing keep happening to me? I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it a part of my life. It's, it's probably because we're trusting in our own strength to get rid of that sin instead of trusting in the power of the Spirit to set us free 
from that, to, to break the chains of whatever that is, and, um, and to set us free. And um, unfortunately, I think this is kind of a lifelong process in which we get sanctified the closer we draw to the Lord through His Spirit, the less and less we're going to love these sins and the more and more we're going to have freedom from these. Here's a fifth one. Because we're, the Spirit dwells in us, um, we have received a spirit of adoption as children. I love this, and i got to read this verse in Romans 8, verse 15. Uh, it says, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. Man, that's a powerful passage. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have been adopted into God's family. And uh, this leads to intimacy with the Father. Instead of a relationship based upon fear and slavery, um, the Spirit bears witness to us that we are God's children. Like, amen to that? That's a beautiful thing. That is an amazing concept that we need to remind ourselves of. Here's the sixth one. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. And I think I got ahead of myself earlier because I already kind of went on this one a little bit. Um, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. He does this both before we've come to know Jesus and He does this after we've entered into a relationship with Him and as we journey through our lives as believers. Here's the seventh one. The Spirit brings life and freedom. The Spirit brings life and freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not bondage, not slavery, not fear, not condemnation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is here, and here, and here, and here, in us. And if the Spirit of the Lord is here, then what's in here also, according to that verse? Freedom. Not bondage, not slavery, not fear, not condemnation. The Spirit of the Lord brings freedom. And in a world plagued by so many things negative, including death, this is amazing truth that leads us to life and peace and joy and hope. And by the power of the Spirit, hope abounds in us. Because God fills us um, with these things. And here's the eighth one. The Holy Spirit fills every believer with a variety of spiritual gifts. So if you're here today and you believe in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, you have been gifted. Okay, You have been given spiritual gifts, and I will say plural, multiple gifts. 
Um, and this is one we're definitely going to spend some more time on in a few weeks. Um, for now, I'll just say this. As members of God's kingdom, um, we each have been given gifts. And what's the main reason why we've each been given gifts, according to the scriptures? Anybody know? That's exactly right. To edify the body of Christ. To serve one another so that God's church can grow and expand and his kingdom can expand throughout the world. And we're not just talking about Pastor Rebel's Bible Church. We're talking about the church, wherever we are in the world. And here's the ninth one. We'll talk more about that later uh, in, in extent. And we'll also talk about this one more later, but I'll just mention it here. The Holy Spirit also finally brings fruit into our lives. And um, he brings this fruit for a couple specific reasons. One is to sanctify us. Sanctify means to make us holy, okay, to, to, to purify us. And the second reason why he brings fruit in our life is to lead us or guide us um, into the ways in which he wants us to go. And uh, these attitudes and actions will, will characterize our lives, will allow us to um, be molded by the Holy Spirit. So as we understand these truths about the Holy Spirit. So that's just nine of many. And we begin to understand how all these things are true about us and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Uh, we're going to be led into a deeper relationship um, and have even greater reverence for the Holy Spirit. Is it okay to worship and pray to the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, He's God. Absolutely. So we don't have to shy away from the fact that we want to bring honor and worship to the Spirit. Um, truth about the Spirit, though, and that's what we're talking about today. Truth about the Spirit will lead us not just to understanding things about what's true in our lives, but it will lead us to action, right action, genuine love. It will lead us to true worship. And... Um, but maybe today you're here and you're like, well, I'm hearing these truths and, and yet, like, why don't I see those in my life? You're wondering. You're like, I, I hear them, I want them, I believe in them, but I just don't see them at my, in my life. And uh, I would just close by saying this. Don't be discouraged. Okay? If... if um, you're hearing these things and you're like, man, I just, I find myself lacking. I don't, I'm trying to find myself on that list you just read. Uh, don't be discouraged. Um, but I would say this, be more receptive to the things of the Spirit. Um, be more available is a word we used to use in the 80s growing up. Be more available to the Holy Spirit. And remember that none of us here can do these things on our own. We cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We just can't. And that these are the very things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. The Father tells us to ask for more of Him. And... Uh, we can confidently do this because 
We're asking for the things that God has promised us in his word. So we're not, we're not asking for things, we're like making stuff up and asking. We're just asking for things that God told us to ask for. Like that's what we're talking about here. We're asking for more of the spirit um, according to the principles of the word. And this is, just, this is because we don't just want the spirit. And we don't just want the word. We want both. And so, I'll close right here with this um, little bit of a prayer for us, is that may we continue to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, and may we desire and want Him more and more and more. May we grieve Him and ignore Him less and less and less. And that we will seek his word so that we will not wander away from the truth. Amen?